Hello and welcome to part 2 in a series of videos I'm putting out this week where I break down all the fights taking place this weekend at UFC on ESPN3 from a betting perspective. I've already covered three fights on this card including the main event between Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. You can find the breakdown for that fight in part 1 in this series of videos. I will leave a link to that in the description below. And don't forget if you would like me to do a live stream on fight day where I try and find a decent value prop bet for all the fights taking place this weekend as well as answering all your questions in the live Q&A on YouTube then please hit the like button below for every single video that I put out this week gets 350 likes I will do a live stream on Saturday and if you don't know what a prop bet is a prop bet is just a highly specific bet for example Santos to win inside the distance would be considered a prop bet so if you hit the like button below I'll try and find a prop for every fight in that live stream. So now let's jump into the first fight that I want to talk about in today's video, which is going to be Jordan Griffin versus Vince Murdoch. So while I talk about this fight, I am going to leave one of Vince Murdoch's recent fights playing in the background. Murdoch is the guy here in the red shorts. And this fight was against uh, Vikas Daya from back in March 2018, so just over a year ago. So I'll leave this fight running in the background so you can kind of get a read on what Vince Murdoch brings to the table. So straight away, the odds are stacked against Vince Murdoch. He is stepping up to take this fight on around two weeks notice and it is his UFC debut and obviously we know that only a small percentage of fighters who make their UFC debut actually win you know the vast majority of the time they lose and an even bigger percentage of fighters lose when they make their UFC debut on short notice around about 65 to 70 percent of fighters who make their UFC debut on short notice actually lose so uh, before we even get into how uh, Murdoch matches up with Griffin stylistically the odds are definitely stacked against him. Now, Murdoch trains at Team Alpha Male, and as you can see here, he has a typical uh, Team Alpha Male uh, body type, you know, small, compact frame, and he's also got a, a Team Alpha Male you know, traditional team alpha male uh, style of fighting as well. You know, he's a wrestle boxer, difficult to take down and hold down, uh, decent offensive wrestling, uh, but not the best, uh, not the best, uh, not well, actually his, off his offensive striking is not bad, uh, but doesn't really carry that much power in his hands. And that could possibly be because he's quite small for the division. He's very undersized. Uh, or if we look at his career, you know, all of his fights have uh, have really taken place at featherweight, and he's only five foot six with a sixty-five inch reach. So definitely undersized for the uh, the division, and that is going to put him at a really big disadvantage in this matchup because it does mean that uh, Jordan Griffin will have quite a big size advantage over him. You know, if we look at the tailored tape, uh, Griffin stands at five foot ten with almost a seventy-five inch reach. Murdoch much shorter than him with only a sixty-five inch reach. So. You know, Griffin will have a 10-inch reach advantage over Murdoch, which will be absolutely enormous. Because as you can see in the footage that I'm showing of Murdoch here, you know, not a particularly dangerous striker. Uh, I've, you know, watched plenty of his past fights. Doesn't really carry that much power in his hands. Uh, doesn't really do that good of a job of getting inside and landing anything big. And, you know, with Jordan Griffin training at Rufus Sport, having primarily a kickboxing style, a much more technical striker than Murdoch, he's going to be able to use that length, use that reach uh, to pick Murdoch apart and cause him big problems if the fight does stay standing. Now, obviously, with everything that we've just said, uh, Murdoch obviously has a big mountain to climb. 
But, you know, he does have strong offensive wrestling. He's quite heavy from top position. And while Jordan Griffin's very technical on the ground, he's got very high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, Griffin does train at Rufus Sport, and he is your typical type of Rufus Sport fighter, which does tend to give up takedowns quite easily. And he has been known to spend a little bit longer than I would like uh, on his back. So, if we go into uh, taking a look at the odds on this fight, we can currently see that we've got Jordan Griffin at around about a 1.29 favourite, which is minus 345 for an implied probability of 78%. And if we look at Murdoch, his current average odds are around about 3.75, which is plus 275 for an implied probability of 27%. Now, there's no way that I would bet on Murdoch here. As you can see, he's not particularly dangerous standing. From the fights that I've seen from him in the past, he doesn't actually shoot that many takedowns. Uh, he's also very undersized for the division, you know, giving up a 10-inch reach advantage to, uh, to Griffin. And also being much smaller means he probably will struggle to hold Griffin down. And Griffin can definitely hold it, uh, handle himself on the ground. And Griffin will also have a huge advantage if the fight stays standing. So there's no way that I would bet uh, Murdoch in this fight. But I also wouldn't bet Griffin either. Because at an implied probability of 78%, you've got to cap Griffin at having an 83% or better chance of winning. And I just can't get to that number. Griffin should absolutely win. But in order to bet someone at those odds, they have to have virtually no way to lose and Griffin's not that kind of rock solid fighter I don't feel I don't feel confident in him enough to bet him at those kind of odds so this fight is a very very easy pass for me Murdoch's nothing special Griffin should win easily uh, Griffin has almost every advantage in the book apart from pure wrestling but just too much of a risk at those odds so now we move on to the next fight that I want to talk about, which is going to be Amanda Rebus against Emily Whitmire. And similarly uh, with the last fight, let's just jump straight in to playing one of Rebus's recent fights. Or I say recent, it was from quite a long time ago, but it was actually her last fight. This is Amanda Rebus here in the green and yellow. And this fight took place in uh, May 2016. So this fight actually took place three years ago. So we'll leave this running in the background. So this is Amanda Rebus's UFC debut. And like we just said, uh, you know, the vast majority of fighters that make their UFC debut lose because Octagon Jitters are such a huge factor. Uh, you know, they tend to... Uh, sorry, guys, my phone's going off. Normally put it in flight mode. Do apologize. Let's shut this down. A little bit of an amateur interruption. But there we go. Right. So, yeah, Amanda Rebus, um, she, uh, she is making a UFC debut. Large percent of your fighters that make their UFC debut lose, and obviously coming into this fight on the back of a three-year layoff obviously isn't ideal either. Uh, you know, Rebus is going to be dealing with Octagon Jitters competing in the UFC for the first time, and potentially quite a bit of ring rest since this is her first fight in three years. So why hasn't she fought in three years? What the hell has a fighter been doing? You know, a young fighter, a 25-year-old fighter that should be as active as possible to uh, to try and you know put the skills that she's learning in the gym into practice in the cage. Why? And we've seen Rebus. Well, we haven't seen Rebus because shortly after she was signed by the USC and went into the U USADA testing pool, uh, she actually got flagged by USADA for uh, having trace amounts of Osterine in her system. So, 
she was uh, flagged by USADA back in June 2017, around about two years ago. Hasn't fought since May 2016, which is around about three years ago. And now after serving uh, two years of that suspension, she is coming back into uh, the UFC to make her, her UFC debut now. Amanda Rebus said it was a tainted supplement, said that she hadn't been taking PEDs. I mean, we don't know for sure. We've heard the tainted supplement story play out a thousand times in the past. Uh, we don't know if... If Rebus has built a career off using PEDs or not. Uh, all we know is that she has had a run-in with USADA, which is a red flag. And obviously that has pre prevented her from uh, making her UFC debut and competing in the octagon. But ha Rebus, having not competed for a very long time, does make this a complicated fight to try and cap. Because we really don't know what we're getting from her. Rebus is now 25 years old. She was 22 years old when she last fought. So she's going to have made big improvements since this fight here against Jennifer Gonzalez. So, I mean, there's no real point in studying her past fights. Because I expect to see a much different version of Rebus when she shows up on Saturday night. Because it's not like she's been, you know, sat around doing nothing. You know, playing video games, eating pizza, waiting for a UFC debut to come. She's actually been training full time at uh, American Top Team for quite some time now. You know, here we see her. You know, stood next to uh, Tisha Torres and uh, and also Marina Moraz, training partners at American Top Team. So. You know, Rebus is training at one of the best gyms in the world. She hasn't fought in a very long time. She had, She's had lots of time to improve since her last fight. So, could see a very, very different version of Rebus on Saturday night than what we've seen from her in the past. Which makes this really an impossible fight to cap. I mean, Emily Whitmire, strong offensive wrestler, high-level ground game. You know, very good at taking the back. But... In the past, Emily Whitmire has been quite open about suffering from you know stress and anxiety in the lead up to fights, and we've also seen her quit in a few of her past fights as well. So always a risk to bet on Whitmire. So if we take a look at the odds, Whitmire currently around about an average of 1.57, which is minus 175 for an implied probability of 64%. And if we look at the odds on Amanda Rebus, currently around about an average of 2.45, which is plus 140 for an implied probability of 41% and I mean if you watch my videos for any length of time you can probably guess what I'm going to say here uh, there's just no way that, that you can bet this uh, this fight guys absolutely no way I mean we just don't know anything about Amanda Rebus you know she's been out for too long she could have made huge improvements uh, you know at, at that age at that young age train at American top team she's going to be improving at a rapid rate so there's no way to measure uh, what kind of version of her we'll see on Saturday night in her debut against Whitmire she could also look like total shit if she's built a career up off PEDs and she's no longer been able to use them because of USADA but having said that you know, she's young enough for that probably not to make that much of a, 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 an impact on her career. You know, it's different if you're in your late 30s, mid 30s, you've built a career on PEDs and all of a sudden you've got to start, stop, uh, start, you've got to stop using them. Uh, you know, Amanda Rebus is, is young enough to still build a very sexful, successful UFC career without needing performance enhancing drugs, but definitely a red flag. Now we move on to the final fight that I want to talk about in today's video, which is going to be 
Juzia Formigue uh, against uh, Joseph Benavidez, and on a card really lacking in star quality. You know, two of the bigger names on the card, uh, Joseph Benavidez, perhaps the the one of the biggest names on the card. You know, aside from uh, Damian Meyer, JDS, and Francis Ngannou, the most popular, recognizable name. And I think that Joseph Benavidez's name has really had an impact on the odds. You know, I often compare MMA betting and the way that the odds are set to WWE betting in many ways because quite often a fighter's name and a fighter's popularity will quite often have an impact on the odds and I believe that's what's happened here because we can see that Joseph Benavidez is currently the favourite over Juzie Formiga and uh, there's absolutely no reason why he should be the favourite um, in my opinion from a technical point of view, Juzier Formiga has an advantage over Benavidez in every single aspect of MMA apart from maybe pure wrestling. So the fact that Formiga is an underdog here makes absolutely no sense. I just think that the bookies have perhaps capped this fight uh, based on the win-loss records of both guys, based on the fact that Joseph Benavidez has a win over Formiga way back in... Uh, 2013 uh, but they're not actually uh, taking into consideration how these guys match up stylistically and because Joseph Benavidez is a big name because Juzia Formiga doesn't have the most exciting style of fighting you know the casual betting public haven't corrected the odds yet but I'm absolutely amazed uh, that Formiga that you can still bet Formiga at these odds I thought that his odds would have declined uh, and got absolutely smashed um, by now but they haven't great value on Formiga so needless to say, after everything that I've just said, uh, I do think Formiga's a great bet. Let's get into talking about the odds, uh, the, the specific of the odds. So the current average odds on Benavidez are around about 1.60, which is minus 167 for an implied probability of 63%. Definitely no value on Benavidez. If we look at the current average odds available on Formiga, call it 2.50, which is plus 150 for an implied probability of 40%. And... There's just there's a really good amount of value on Formiga here, guys. I personally capped this fight at around about 50-50. So, you know, where I often talk about fights being 50-50, I always say I need odds of around 2.50 to 1 plus 150 or better to roll the dice in a 50-50 situation. And that's what ex exactly what we're getting with Formiga. So I absolutely think he is a good bet. Now, I know that there are a lot of dumb people that watch these videos that don't understand probabilities uh, and they don't understand the concept of putting your money in strong positions uh, and making your betting decisions based on the odds. But I want to make it very clear that despite everything that I say uh, in this breakdown to try and justify a bet on Juzier Formiga, this is not a safe bet at all. This is a very, very risky bet. I believe both guys have a 50-50 chance of winning. But what you must understand is if you can bet Juzier Formiga at odds of 2.50 plus 150, giving you an implied probability of 40%, and you personally cap the fight at even money, which would be 2.0 plus 100 for an implied probability of 50%, if you have accurately capped the fight, that means you're getting a 10% margin over the betting sites. It's a very, very good margin. So I'm not saying Formiga will win. I'm saying he's a fucking excellent bet. And remember... The best bets don't always win. You know, good bets don't always win. Bad bets don't always lose. Formiga is an amazing bet at the current odds. Really doesn't matter what your opinion on this fight is. Uh, doesn't matter if you think Benavidez will win or not. Based on the current odds, Formiga is an amazing bet. So why do I think he's an amazing bet? 
So like I said a few moments ago, I believe Formiga has an advantage over Joseph Benavidez in every single aspect of MMA. From a technical perspective, he's just better everywhere. He might not be as good of an uh, uh, of an MMA wrestler, but that shouldn't matter too much because Formiga's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is at such a high level. He's an absolute nightmare on the ground. He's a very, very high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. The former uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach at Nova Uniao, you know, training guys like Hakron Diaz, Junior Dos Santos, uh, Jose Aldo, Raynan Barrao, Claudio Gadea, you know, it was Juzier Formiga that taught these guys their ground game. And also, since moving to American Top Team a couple of years ago, Juzier Formiga has now developed very, very good offensive wrestling and chain wrestling, which makes it much easier for him to take his opponents down uh, and actually start to utilize his high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the past, Formiga was cursed by a weakness that a lot of pure Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners have in that he didn't have the offensive wrestling to take his opponents down, which means he couldn't use his high-level ground game, but now he does. And even though Joseph Benavidez is a very strong MMA wrestler, has very good takedown defense, his takedown defense isn't completely bulletproof, and I do believe there's a good chance Formiga will be able to get him down. If these boys do go to the ground, Formiga should dominate. I know Benavidez is a great MMA grappler. He's definitely no slouch on the ground. Benavidez is at a high level on the ground as well. But remember, there are levels to this game. And Formiga's level on the ground is several levels above Benavidez. And one of the reasons why I do think Formiga can have a lot of success in this fight is if you go back and watch any of Joseph Benavidez's past fights, uh, particularly his last fight, perhaps will illustrate this quite well against Dustin Ortiz. If you go back and watch Joseph Benavidez's fights, when defending takedowns, he tends to give his back up a lot. And also when he's on the ground trying to work his way back to his feet, he tends to give his back up a lot. And there aren't many fighters in the UFC that can take the back better than Juzier Formiga. He has probably the best back control in the UFC. It's right up there with Damian Maia. And like I say, very, very few fighters in the UFC are able to, to take the back and uh, and control their opponent from back position as quickly as Juzier Formiga. I was going to say, in fact, the fastest in the UFC is probably Jason Knight, uh, but he's now been uh, kept from the UFC, and instead he's fighting in in, uh, in bare-knuckle fighting, which is quite ironic considering uh, how high-level his Brazilian jiu-jitsu was. But yeah, next to Jason Knight, can't remember many other fighters in the UFC who can take the back as fast as Formiga. So, I've obviously just said a lot of very, very nice things about Formiga. I've said that, you know, I, I think he will absolutely dominate Joseph Benavidez in grappling exchanges, which is quite a big statement because, obviously, Joseph Benavidez has built a career off being a grappler. Uh, so, it, you know, if I feel so confident in Formiga's uh, ability to outgrapple Benavidez, why am I only giving him a 50% chance of winning? Well, the answer is uh, his striking is a lot less convincing. Now, from a technical point of view, Formiga is a better technical striker than Joseph Benavidez in the sense that Formiga has very, very tight Muay Thai, very nice counters. The problem with Formiga is that he's very passive and reactive to his opponent. He only throws a low volume of strikes per round, and that means that quite often, if he can't get his opponents down, he does get outpointed. And even though Joseph Benavidez has quite sloppy, low-level striking, he still works very hard, still throws a high volume of strikes. And because he has kind of like a really goofy, unorthodox style, 
it quite often takes his opponents a bit of time to work him out. And because he is so active and he throws such a high volume of strikes that there's a serious risk here that if Formiga is reluctant to pull the trigger and he's quite passive standing, Benavidez could just out-hustle him, outwork him, outland him, chip away at him and win a decision. What I'm really worried about in this fight and where the big risk factor comes in is if Benavidez treats the ground like lava, uses his wrestling in reverse to keep the fight standing and basically just outworks Formiga standing because like I say, Formiga does only throw a low level of uh, a low volume of strikes despite the fact that his, his stand-up is Muay Thai. It's much more technical than Benavidez's stand-up. So that's where the risk factor comes in. On the ground, I don't think it'll be a contest. I think Formiga will definitely get the better of the grappling exchanges. But Benavidez, even though he doesn't train at Team Alpha male anymore, he's a typical Team Alpha male type fighter where he's extremely difficult to take down and hard to hold down. So if he comes in super disciplined, fight smart, uses his wrestling in reverse to, to keep the fight standing, I do think this matchup will be very, very, very close and that's why I cap it around about 50%. This definitely isn't a safe bet. But what I would also say is even though both these guys are, you know, 34 years old, uh, I definitely feel like, you know, and again, despite the fact that they've both got roughly the same amount of career fights, the same amount of experience, I do feel that these are two guys uh, on opposite career trajectories. I feel like Joseph Benavidez has been on a decline since leaving Team Alpha Male, whereas I, re I, I personally believe Josie A. Formiga is making massive improvements from fight to fight since he started training full-time Amer at American Top Team around two years ago. So I think that pretty much covers everything. Now, I know there are going to be a load of dummies in the comments telling me that Benavidez is going to knock uh, Formiga out, telling me that you know Benavidez is going to submit Formiga, all this kind of stuff. There will be plenty of wiki cappers. Uh, that will call me a moron for betting Benavidez because he beat uh, beat Formiga back in uh, 2013. But that is just how I see it. It is a risky bet. It is a 50-50 bet. Uh, but at these odds, it's an absolute no-brainer. Win or lose, Formiga is an amazing bet. But tailor your own risk and please don't cry in the comments uh, if Formiga loses. And also, if you bet Benavidez this weekend and he wins, uh, don't gloat about it either because hate to break it to you, but he's a really bad bet this weekend. Doesn't mean to say he won't win, uh, but you know. If you look at his current odds are around about 1.60, uh, which is minus 167 for an implied probability of 63%. You know, to get any value here on Benavidez, you've got to cap him at having around a 70% chance of winning this fight. And if you cap Benavidez as having a 70% chance over someone like Juzier Formiga, you're an absolute moron that doesn't understand MMA or grappling. So with that being said, guys... That is it for today's video. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back tomorrow with part three. Let me know in the comments what fights you'd like me to cover in part three that I haven't covered already. And also, please, please, please hit the like button below if you haven't already. If you want that live stream on Saturday, hit the like button below. And also subscribe if you haven't already. It would mean a lot. It would help the channel grow. So take care, guys. Hope you have a great day. And I will see you all tomorrow. Too many thoughts on my mind, I can't sleep at night, so I just keep writing. I don't need no help, I don't need opinions, so don't waste my time then. I just been living online, my city don't show me no love and that's fine. Fuck local radio stations, I got more plays than all of these rappers combined. I'm going, I'm going again, I've been going in, I'm fed up with so many things. I gotta just let it all out, I'm talking about the shit they've been talking about.